to receive the word. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and our King, we come before you today. Lord, always delighted to be in your presence. Always delighted to worship you and honor you on Shabbat. Abba, we pray, Lord, that, um, Lord, you would help us in our weakness, that you would encourage us through your Ruach. Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would, Lord, cause that transformation that we've been speaking about to truly take root in our lives, that we would bear fruit for your glory. And we ask you, Hashem Yeshua, Mishikainu, and God's people said, Amen. We just concluded a series on metamorphosis where we talked about four areas of transformation in the life of every believer. The transformations that we looked at was moving from darkness to light, which includes new birth and surrendering to God's will and way, transformation by the renewing of the mind and having the mind of Messiah, transformation by moving from living our lives based on feelings to living our lives based on faith. Lastly, we ended this series by looking at transformation by action and not acting. And I would encourage you that if you didn't get that whole series to listen to it on the podcast because it's really important because transformation is what God is in the business of doing. Taking us and transforming us right into the image and likeness of his son, Yeshua. And that's where we're going to pick up as we begin a new series this week entitled Making a Difference in the World. God's transformation in our lives is so that we can go and make a difference in the world that we live in. Amen? Transformation is not an end of itself, but rather the beginning of a life of purpose and fulfillment. Transformation is for a purpose, just like the caterpillar transforms into the butterfly. Although it's so beautiful and awesome, you think that the beauty would be enough, right? That if God just did it for our visual enjoyment, that would be awesome. But no, he did it for a purpose. And the purpose was for cross-pollination of plants and flowers and food for birds. And God has wired each of us to find fulfillment in doing and acting like we were created to. Unfortunately, every time purpose is mentioned in the context of kingdom living, most people wrongly think that in order to really impact the world for Messiah, it must mean that we must find a spot in traditional ministry outlets, either within the congregation or without. Now, it's true that if we are part of the community of faith, that we should give some time and energy to contribute to the functioning of the ministry of the Kehillah. However, the vast majority of people will find their main and most fruitful reason for being, fulfilling the purposes of God while living out their normal lives in their current sphere of influence and through their current vocation. We should understand that when Adonai introduced the new covenant through the death, burial, and resurrection of Mashiach, He did it with the expectation that believers would be carriers and couriers of the good news message in and through their current lives. In 1 Corinthians 
chapter 7 and verse 17, it says, Only let each person live the life the Lord has assigned him and live it in the condition he was when he was called, in which God called him. This is the rule I lay down in all the congregations. You see, the scripture does not prohibit improving your position in life, but it does suggest that we are to be faithful and fruitful in the life that we are currently living. For the few who are called to full-time ministry, they are to do that. For those that find themselves in a particular vocation, they should operate as faithful ministers of God within their sphere of life. That can be a hospital worker, like many of you are, a stay-at-home mom, social work, a business owner, and any other area you might find yourself in. So people working in the medical field, moms raising kids, and entrepreneurs contributing to society or whatever role you play is an important role and potentially world-changing because you interact people with people daily. The world gets to see your light, which will turn their attention to God. That's really the plan. That the world would see your light shining the goodness and glory of God, and they would be moved to lift their vision higher. The key is that you understand that you, right here and right now, are called to make a difference in the world. Say, I am called. In Matthew Yahoo 5 and 16, it says, Let your light shine before people, so that they may see the good things that you do and praise your Father in heaven. You see, the context is your life shining that will cause people to look to God. So we talked about transformation for four weeks, right? Well, once transformed or once the process of transformation is moving, we are then set apart for God's purposes. In Vayikra, Leviticus chapter 20 and 26, it says, Rather, you people are to be holy for me. Because I, Adonai, am holy, and I have set you apart. Say, God has set me apart. I have set you apart from the other people said that, so that you can belong to me. Just like Abraham, God calls us to leave our former life. Our life as it was before we surrendered to God. To do his bidding in the earth. Abraham had to leave the familiar way that his family did business. Some scholars suggest that his family was in the idol-making business. Either case, we too must leave the ways of the world and the flesh to do God's work within the sphere of influence in which we live. In the verse in Vayikra, it uses the Hebrew word avdil, for separated, which means divided, like when a group is divided into two in order to make teams for a game. We could all relate to that, right? If you've been at the congregational picnic, you have the big group and we divide it. 
into teams. Think of that imagery of you being selected by someone to be on their team. You leave the group and join your newly formed teammates. This is what is being conveyed. We are to be holy, which is separated unto God to play on his team for his purposes, which is to see his holy agenda fulfilled. By doing this, we fulfill our divine purpose on earth. In Bereshit 12, it says, Now Adonai said to Avram, Get yourself out of your country, away from your kinsmen and away from your father's house, and go to the land I will show you. God had a purpose for Abraham, but that purpose was first and foremost for him to be set apart unto God to do God's bidding. I want to tell you that is the first and foremost calling of our lives to be set apart to God for his purposes to do his bidding. Now, before we, I tell you, we have to shake off the influence of the society in which we live. Because I know we have been groomed in this country, at least, to be independent. Which is fine, because God makes all of us differently and wires us uniquely. But, Within that independence, we really can't find fulfillment apart from God and his calling on our life. And unless we set ourselves apart for God, we will always fall short of true satisfaction and fulfillment. Because God has created us specifically to serve his purpose. One rabbi, Naftali Silberberg, said this. Now hear this. but This is a traditional rabbi. But one thing is certain. We were given the mandate to change the world. That's not too heavy, right? (laughs) We've been given the mandate to change the world, to bring Mashiach. And with our own powers, this objective is unachievable. We can only succeed if we remain in the presence of holiness. If holiness doesn't touch us now, then we must reach out and touch it ourselves. In other words, we must be set apart for God. Not for the ordinary. Not even to do what everyone else is doing. Not to follow the crowd, right? Doesn't Yeshua speak about that? He said the road to destruction is wide. Many find it. Everyone's going that way. But he said the road to heaven is narrow. Few find it. But here's the good news. You found it. You've been called by his name. Awesome. You've been separated unto God for his purposes. Even the great Rav Shaul writes about this when he wrote to the Messianic community in Rome. He said this. He said, from Shaul, a slave of the Messiah, Yeshua, an emissary, because I was called and set apart for the good news of God. God promised this good news in advance through his prophets in the Tanakh. It concerns his son. He is descended from David physically. He was powerfully demonstrated to be the son of God spiritually, set apart by his having been resurrected from the dead. He is Yeshua, the Messiah, Adonainu. Through him we received grace and were given the work of being an emissary on his behalf, promoting 
trust grounded obedience among all the Goyim, including you who have been called by Yeshua the Messiah to all those in Rome whom God loves, who have been called, who have been set apart for him. You could put your name in there. You could put this town in here. To all those in Holbrook whom God loves, who have been called, who have been set apart for him. You can make it more specific. To all those at Beit Emanuel whom God loves, who have been called, who have been set apart for him. This is for you. You have been called, loved, and set apart for God. This indicates that not only was Rav Shaul set apart for the good news of God, but you and I are also set apart for him. Don't think so lightly of your calling to be separated unto God. It is a worthy and glorious calling. Don't think it dull and boring, for it certainly is not when we truly give ourselves over to our new team. C.S. Lewis said, "How How little people know who think that holiness is dull. And I want to pause, comments, right there. A lot of people think holiness is dull. Serving God is boring. That if I surrender fully to God, that I'm going to miss out on all the fun bits in life. How little people know who think that holiness is dull. When one meets the real thing, it is irresistible. I want to challenge you today to understand that God has set you apart for him. He has called you. He has loved you. He has called you for a purpose. And it's not just to go through the mundane, ordinary stuff that everyone has to go through. We all have to do the regular things in life, don't we? Yeah, that's a given. We all work. We all deal with our families. Awesome. But in that context... God is saying you have to understand that you're set apart for his purposes while you do it. Look what Spurgeon prayed. He said, O great and unsearchable God who knows my heart and tries all my ways, with a humble dependence upon the support of your Holy Spirit, I yield myself to you. As my own reasonable sacrifice, I return you your own. I would be forever unreservedly, perpetually yours while I am on earth. I will serve you, and may I enjoy you and praise you forever. Amen. I pray that that would be our prayer. Every day that we wake, that that would be our prayer to God. You see, being set apart for God's purposes mean more than just having a feel-good moment and eternal security. It's more than just a designation. It means that we have been called to his service. Let's recall Abraham again. The scripture says, The Lord said to Abraham, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. Wow, it sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? I bet you it sounded too good to Abraham. God will make A great nation of us? I'm ringing. Well, it depends on your definition of greatness, I suppose. Yeshua the Messiah gives us a perspective 
on what it is to be great. In Matthew chapter 20, it says, But Yeshua called them and said, You know that among the Goyim, those who are supposed to rule them become tyrants, and their superiors become dictators. Among you, it must not be like that. On the contrary, whoever among you wants to be a leader must become your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Think of that. Whoever among you who wants to be a leader must become your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. That's what we've been called to. And this is very significant for us to consider. Often we as people of the book who call upon God wonder why is the world like it is. Have you ever wondered as you see the world seemingly go off its axis? It's on a path that is seemingly opposed to God at every turn. Yet we never look in the mirror to consider that the person staring back at us has been called to serve God's purposes, to serve the world as ambassadors of his kingdom, to bring change to the world. When was the last time that you looked in the mirror and thought of yourself as a solution, part of the solution to the world's problems? When's the last time you did that? Well, that is the truth, because you interact with people every day. We often look for the wrong things out of the kingdom, things for our own personal use and satisfaction. The good news is that God loves to give us good things, but in all honesty, his children should be desirous to serve his purposes in every aspect of their lives. Perhaps we have lost our way and have been blinded by comfort and ease. Maybe we have been accustomed to being recipients of service rather than those that serve. Whatever the case, we must realize our calling and get back to our original mandate, serving God and his purposes. In Malachi... Chapter 3, in verse 17 and 18, it says, They shall be mine, says Adonai Tzavaot. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, I will spare them as a man spares his son who serves him. Then once more you shall see the distinction, hear this, between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve God. You will see a distinction between the person who serves God and the person that does not serve God. God says that there will be a clear distinction between the two. The question is, are you going to be the one who serves God and his purpose? There is not a better thing you can do with your life but to serve God's calling and purpose. Where you are, whatever you're doing, to serve his purpose within that. And I know many of you are. But we lose sight of that often. And we start to reduce the believing life into 
just getting through life and maybe getting through it a little better with the help of God. There's more to it than that. It's about reaching people and changing the world by our lives impacting other people's lives. Why? That they see your life and they say, my goodness, there's something different. They see a light. They see an anointing. They see the glory of God on your life. Are people where you work and live seeing the glory of God in your life? That's what you're called to show them. Servants share these qualities. I'm going to give you a few. Jot them down. Servants are available. As servants of the Lord, we must be available to be used by him in the service of his kingdom. Within the course of our day, like the boy with the five loaves and the two fish, mom just packed him some lunch. Go listen to the one who says he's the Mashiach. Gave him a little something to eat. He was doing what he was doing. But he made it available to God when called upon. Well, guess what? Our meager resources, when combined with his power, will get the job done as well with a little extra to spare. Servants must be alert. A faithful servant is not only available, but also alert and watches while waiting for the assignment of the master. When you're going through your day, are you looking for those windows that God is wanting you to step through to impact someone's life? We must listen for his voice and follow his lead when he calls us to a need or area of service. Mark 13 tells us to keep watch. Servants of God are obedient. God calls us to a variety of tasks to be accomplished for the furthering of his kingdom and the praise of his glory. A good servant obediently accepts I'm sorry, any job that Adonai sets before him. And if you think that God only will set before you the things that you enjoy doing, I want to tell you, you're mistaken. Did you ever ask your kids to do something maybe they weren't jazzed about doing, like clean their room. Now, come on, isn't that something? I've never found a kid yet that said, clean my room? Can't wait. Thanks, Mom. Dad, you're the best. So awesome. Mom's call his friends, Mom and Dad will let me clean my room today. No. They balk and they moan and they groan and They dilly and dally, and yeah, they eventually do it. See, God calls us to serve him even when the things that he asks us to do perhaps aren't a favorite from time to time. Servants point people to Yeshua. This happens in the midst of our everyday lives and interaction with people. It happens at our jobs, in our homes, And along the way. Servants of God encourage others in their faith. Say encourage. Encourage. We have many people who would mock and ridicule our faith and lifestyle. Right? That's why it is important to treat fellow believers as our friends. I want to stop here and just say something. 
There's a lot of believers who treat the family of God as their enemy. They take out their frustrations and their disappointments on the people of God. And instead of the people of God, who are their friends and for them, they treat them like enemies. I want to tell you that's really, really unwise because we do have an enemy who is always seeking to do what? Three things. Anyone know what they are? Kill, steal, and destroy. How, do we need, how much do we need to find encouragement in the house of God? I want to tell you that you should make it a purpose that everything that comes out of your mouth to another believer should be encouraging. Yeah, but Rabbi, you don't know, man. This one really gets under my skin. That one really bothers me, irks me. You see the way they worship? I want to challenge you. Life is hard enough as a believer in this world. As Jewish people, as believers in Messiah, life is hard enough. We need all the encouragement we can get. Because the truth is, God is with us. Do you know what? I, I marvel at that God is with me with all my foibles. He's with me. That blows me away every day. You know what? When I have one of those moments, I know you don't have them. I have them. The rabbi gets them. I have those moments where I'm less than divine. And I always marvel that God, in all my imperfections, is still with me. God is still with me. God is not bothered by me. God encourages me, even with all my foibles. But do you know what? Often, I'll be discouraged by who? The world? No. The devil? No. The people in the kingdom. What? And I don't say that me as me only, but you too. Why should that be? If God could still love me and be with me through all my weaknesses and flaws... How much more should you be able to and I be able to when I fully understand that with all my flaws, God receives me, right? Should I not be understanding to you and you to me that you could speak a word of encouragement and I to you? I want to challenge you. You know what? Too often we just let words fly out of our mouth. Be thoughtful in your words. And before you speak, think. And what I, is what I'm about to say to someone, is it going to encourage them in their faith and cause them to want to go after God? Or is it going to kind of put a little wet blanket over them? Guys, come on. We're good at giving little digs. You know, we do it with a smile on our face. Little dig. And I'll tell you, as someone being a recipient of that, you know, you walk away smiling, but you know that it 
it, it hurts. It's not an encouraging word. So what, 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 do I, what am I saying? Servants of God speak words of encouragement. They encourage others in their faith. Someone said the supreme test of service is this. For whom am I doing this? Much what we call service to Messiah is not service at all. If we are doing this for Messiah, we shall not care for human reward or even recognition. Our work must again be tested by three propositions. Is it work from God? Is it work for God? And is it work with God? We're called to be servants of others for Messiah's sake. As servants, we are, and this is the third one, and I hope you get this. We're called to overcome. Say, I'm called to overcome. Oh, boy, I'll tell you what. It says in the last days that Hasatan will be loosed on the body of Messiah, on the servants of God, to seek to wear out the Kedushim. That's you and me. Seeking to wear us out. Anyone feel weary from the battle? Oh, there's some people they can't, they're always, and I, they're under it often. I have good news for you. God has called you to overcome. Revelation 12 says they overcame him, that's the adversary, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to, unto death. Yochanan Aleph Chapter 5 says, For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Say that with me. For whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he who believes that Yeshua is the Son of God. See, God's called us to separation, set apart for him. He's called us to service, and he's called us to overcome. He said to Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. What is God saying there? I'll tell you what he's saying. God is saying to Abraham and to us that he has our backs. That doesn't mean that there aren't difficulties and things to overcome. Matter of fact, the very word overcome presupposes that there will be obstacles and challenges in the way. I want to tell you a quick story. You know, we have such a wrong idea of, you know, we look at people who are perhaps doing okay people who seemingly have the victory and we say, man, if my life could only be like that. God, it would be fantastic. But we don't know what people have been through. We assume that people just float through life without a scratch, without any bumps in the road. I want to tell you a quick story. George Frederick Handel. You ever hear of him? He was dogged with misfortune. He had debt upon debt, despair upon despair. He had a cerebral hemorrhage and was paralyzed on his right side. 
For four years, he could neither walk nor write. The doctors gave up on him. He wrote several operas, but again, he fell into debt. And at the age 60, say 60, he thought his life was finished. At 60 years old, he thought his life was finished. Then he was challenged by a friend to write a sacred oratorio. He read the scriptures and decided to work on the Messiah. For 24 days, without eating a crumb, he worked fanatically to produce the Messiah, which many today consider the greatest oratorio ever written. 60 years old, my life's over. What could I do now? I'm beyond my usefulness. Come on think that sometimes, don't we? I want to tell you that it's not true because God is on your side. God has called you to overcome. Yeah, it might come at 60. It might come at 65. It might come at 70. How old was Moshe? 80. <laughs> 80. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Man, I'm past my prime. 80. Just getting going. Someone said the prospects of something great happening could often look grim. We could think, oh man, I'm never going to really, how could I fulfill my purpose? This, nothing's really happening. Kepha had finished all night. Remember the story? Catching nothing. He's a fisherman, by the way. Not a novice. Seasoned. Right? Fisherman. Yeshua asked him to let down his nets for a catch. It seemed foolish to do so because Kepha knew there were no fish to catch. I was just all night on the lake. There's no fish. I'm a fisherman. It's ridiculous. It's futile. I just did it to no avail. Maybe you feel like that. But he said this, because of your word. Or at your word, because you said so, I'll do it. Because you said so. Do you know what happened? You remember the story? The hall was so huge that their nets were bursting. Maybe you're saying in your life, man, things are lean. As far as fruitfulness, as as far as your dreams, your aspirations, or perhaps what you thought it would be like. I want to tell you that God has called you to overcome. Sometimes we could lose sight of the victories God wants to give us because of the challenges we face. Sometimes life challenges can loom so large that it's all we could see. The good news is that God sits above the storms of life. You hear me? God sits above the storms. He has called us to overcome with him. Is there anything too difficult for God? I want to tell you a phrase that just kept coming to me as I've been praying this week. 
for various things, praying for you. I'm praying for different ones that I know are struggling. This is what came into my spirit so strong all week. All things, say all things, are possible with God. Say that again. All things are possible with God. That kept coming to me. All things are possible with God. So you know what? You might be struggling. Like Handel was struggling, paralyzed and broken and 60, and it's over. All things are possible with God. Some of you need to get that in your kishkas because you think it can't be done because of your limitations. Guess what? Your limitations are the beginning of God's limitations, which are endless. God is not looking for anything we really have to offer him. Not our intellect, not our giftings, not our talents. He is just looking for our willingness to co-labor with him. He supplies everything we need. He's just looking for our willingness. All things are possible with God. He has called us to overcome, not to fail and be disgraced. But I can't tell you how long it will take. I can't tell you what you will have to endure. Because let me say this, everyone has to endure something. But I can tell you that God has called you and I to overcome by his power and grace. That I could tell you. Let me conclude with this. God does not call us to a life of luxury and ease. He calls us to separation, to service, and to overcome in a trouble-filled world. Yeshua promises us, I will be with you always. Say always. The question is, will you say yes to God's call to make a difference in the world? That's really the, the crux of the matter. I'll tell you, living on the fence is not only dangerous, it's uncomfortable. And every lie that enters our thinking that God is going to lead us down a hard, torturous, miserable life, a life that's deprived of things, are just words from Hasatan. God might lead you down a life of sacrifice, but it will be such a blessing that your spirit will be so energized and stoked and excited that the sacrifice will really, really seem worth it. Do you realize everyone in life, if you're a doctor, you know sacrifice. If you're a lawyer, you know sacrifice. If you're successful in any way, you know sacrifice. So guess what? In God, yeah, there will be sacrifice, but it will be glorious sacrifice. And your life will never be blessed any more than it will be when you say yes to God's call on your life to make a difference in the world. We look at the world. How's it going to change? Look in the mirror. I'm serious. You want to know how the world's going to change? Look in the mirror and look long and hard. That's your answer. That's how it's going to change. It's going to change because of you and because of me and because of us collectively. It's going to change. That's how God's made it to be. 
Sounds simple? Sounds fantastical, actually. But God looked at 12 men one day that he called. Men who were rough around the edges. Men who weren't the religious elite of the day. Just regular folks. And he said, you know what? I'm going to change the world through you. I bet you if they would have known the extent of what God had in mind. If we could fast forward to 2017 and the Talmudim could see Israel with over 120 congregations and 18,000 believers. Pretty good, right? Almost 1 billion believers in the world for Messiah. They would have never thought it possible that their 12 imperfect lives could ever accomplish that. But guess what? It did. And I want to tell you, if you want to know the solution to the world's ills, you look in the mirror today. You look in the mirror tomorrow morning and there's God's answer to you. The question is always, will you accept the call? And I want to encourage you to accept it because now, right where you are, right with what you're doing in life, accept the call and allow God to use you right where you are. Let's stand. There is nothing better than saying yes to God. I know it firsthand. But you know what I also know firsthand? There's nothing worse than running from God and his call on your life. I did that. Not for long. And I'll tell you why not for long, because it's so stinky. Saying yes to God's call is the most awesome feeling you could ever have. Living in his purpose is an awesome thing. And I would highly encourage you to do it. Amen. Stretch forth your hand. Let me bless you. I want you to ponder these things as you go throughout this week. This is really important. A transformed life is a life that is meant to make a difference in the world in which it lives. God wants you to make a difference. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his sweet shalom. Father, I pray that you would bless your people, Lord, this week. God, that you would give them grace, grace. Lord, to enable them, Lord, to do what you've called them to do. Abba, that you would heal their sicknesses, their disease. That you would strengthen them and make them healthy, Lord, spirit, soul, and body. And we ask it, B'Shem Yeshua, Mishikano, and God's people said, Amen and Amen. Blessings to you. Shabbat Shalom.